1: Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. Twenty Twenty with Neil Johnson on Vision.
0: As we do on a Thursday, we check in with Greg Bondar, Family Voice Australia State Director for New South Wales and the ACT. Greg, welcome back to Twenty Twenty.
1: Oh, good morning, Neil. Delighted to be here as usual.
0: <coughs> hey, Greg, you are a wonderful defender of the family and when we say the family we're talking about a biblical version of the family the common sense version you might say uh, male and female and one of the things that puts a challenge up to that biblical foundation for family is the LGBTIQA agenda and uh, this month is known as pride month Uh, you're actually asking the question do we need it what are your thoughts on june being pride month
1: yeah, now look, I am really uh, following the events around the world, in particular, uh, what's going to happen here in uh, Sydney, Australia, or Brisbane, or wherever else it may be. Pride Month is meant to be a a a period where you know the the so-called LGBTIQA community, you know, um, flaunt their uh, sexuality. You know, they're encouraging everybody, including families, to attend the the, the various functions, the events, the marches, the parades, which is really goes against, which really goes against everything we as uh, the average mum and dad, or indeed Christians, are against now, because what we're seeing here is re- really a fairly a bad display of sexuality. You know, you've got uh, you've got uh, parades where you know um, sort of. People walking down the street, you know um, displaying their gentility or whatever whatever the case may be and and then, and then they are, have the height to encourage uh families to attend this event and I, and I really think it's a bad form of indoctrination Neil, and it 's got to stop and, and I think we 've all got to speak up because it 's getting to the stage now where you know. Uh, if you've got to promote your Pride Month, your sexuality, then it means you're being apologetic, in my view. Mm.
0: A lot of people influenced by Pride Month, and undoubtedly uh, that's why there is uh, all sorts of uh, initiatives that are planned for that. But it does seem, and uh, I know you've been thinking through these issues, uh, the thought that you can, uh, you know, you can place yourself as a victim. You know, there's a certain victimhood status uh, for the LGBTQA community uh, and a victim of institutionalized discrimination. And uh, mm. usually the finger pointed at uh, all those Christians in the church uh, that want to discriminate against us. What are your thoughts on the yeah. victimhood issues around these uh, Pride yeah. Month uh, uh, initiatives?
1: Yeah, now that's a great comment because, you know, I'm totally of the view that, you know, we get the finger pointed at us, you know, we're homophobic or transphobic. And these are terms commonly pointed at people that merely oppose uh, sexual morality, which, which is incompatible with the, uh, which is, in, you know, our, our sexual morality understanding is incompatible with the same sex union. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we don't believe in this gender fluidity and, as Christians, I think, you know, we, we open ourselves up to criticism under, uh, under these labels homophobia and transphobia, but really all we're saying is we don't want our families to be identifying with this sort of activity, which is unnatural. It is not, what, it is not biblical, certainly not biblical, but it is certainly not behaviour that should be encouraged. When you're talking, with, talking about such a small minority, of the population, Neil. So these tags, I don't, you know, I don't accept at all. And in point of fact, it could be a reverse saying that, you know, they're, they're always talking about inclusiveness, Neil. But the problem is they happen to be inclusive as long as it's not a Christian. So, you know, don't, let, don't fall for these labels and tags, but we have to make sure that we don't also be indoctrinated by the corporate world that's all of a sudden sort of displaying their logos in, in, in the rainbow colours or whatever the case may be, I think they're really on the wrong track here, Now, <laughs> uh,
0: Let's just pause and reflect on that for a moment. The corporate world uh, going woke uh, and bending over backwards to try and look yeah. as though they're being inclusive of the LGBTQA agenda. Uh, uh, the corporate world uh, really, you know, jumping on board, aren't they, in yeah. a significant way?
1: Oh, absolutely No, I've seen logos that have had the rainbow variations, you know, on on their on their logos to the corporates. And what's happening, Neil, is that the corporate, corporate have you ever look at Disney, Disneyland? You know, the, the Disney Entertainment, uh, they have gone so woke that they, you know, they've made sure that the their theme parks, their programming, their merchandise is all woke, and it's um, really very much LGBTIQA dominant so why are they doing this well i think what's happening is that you know the the corporates are, are, are starting to bow down along with politicians at the altar of the pride flag and this is wrong because it's the the displays of unimaginable sexual behavior by by gay men is just absolutely wrong Neil. and it's sending the wrong message to our kids now if if a child you know grows up becomes an adult let them make up their own mind as to what is biblical or not biblical, what is a proper sexual um, uh, morality. It's not for the corporate to be telling us how to raise our, raise our children in terms of you know sexuality. And it also really ha- is a real issue for us. And, and I think you want to keep your eye out for June to see what's going to be coming up in the following weeks, you know, because I think you'll be very much surprised at how bad it can get.
0: (laughs) There's no doubt a lot of things planned. uh, Pride Month. But you're saying, Greg, this is not a family event. You've got a message for parents about protecting your children from some of the messages that will be received.
1: Absolutely. Now, look, it is not a family event. Instead of Pride Month, it should be Prayer Month, and it should be a time when parents do not allow their children to go Anywhere near these activities, because it will send the wrong message. It really is not a family event. And why should we expose our young children? As I said, I'm a granddad. I've got a two-year-old granddaughter. I'd hate for her to see these unnatural sexual activities being put on display in parades or marches or what have you. Now, it's not on. And we as Christians just need to make sure that we pray and, uh, you know, make sure we boycott any of these marches and parades to give traction to the corporates and to the LGBTI community.
0: There's that old saying, it's better to light a candle uh, than curse the darkness. And no doubt when people hear Christians reflecting on, you know, uh, protect yourself from Pride Month, uh, there's a certain sense in which uh, you can say that's a cursing of the darkness. And, and, uh, you know, listeners to this program will know we've been very open about biblical foundations for family and uh, for children, the importance of children in church life. Mm You've been reflecting too, Greg, on a proactive thing that the church should be doing at this time, and that is bringing a focus and raising the level of importance of children's ministry in church life, because sometimes it's neglected.
1: Yeah, look, Neil, this dovetails into what we've just been talking about. You see, one of the issues we need to appreciate is that Children's ministry is really the ground zero for a flourishing society. In other words, if we don't get the, rate, the, you know, the education of our children, the way we raise them, right from ground zero, and, 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 and we need to do that, not only at home, not only as parents, but through the church, because research has shown, Neil, that there are two issues. One is that we are failing to equip our children to a faith-filled adulthood, and secondly... The raising of children is not just the sole you know responsibility of the parent or um, uh, you know youth groups, it's also the responsibility of every Christian, in particular the church Neil. If we're going to have a society that reflects God's kingdom, we're going to have to start at ground zero, Neil. <clears throat> so
0: the thought of reframing children's ministry and what happens in church. Uh, you uh, have got some ideas there that uh, just to put out there, and you know some people will will take those ideas and reflect more deeply on them. What they're doing uh, in their own children's mm-hmm. ministry and church life. How do you reframe your children's ministry?
1: Oh, look, you do. Ref- you you, know, you have to reframe it because what research is showing Neil is more than half of church parents and guardians, around about fifty-four percent are saying their child's time in ministry is just as important as their own experiences. Not only that, but a majority of children's ministry leaders, around about 56%, agree at least somewhat that the children's ministry is often forgotten by their church. In other words, we tend to concentrate on adult ministry. I know we have things like kids' clubs or youth groups, We need, as all Christians, to engage with kids at all levels to give them a lasting impression of what faith in in society is all about and what our faith is as Christians. So there are a lot of ways we can do it. We need to reach out and engage with our kids And it starts at the church, but it also starts with every Christian now.
0: It does start with every Christian. And as soon as you start to say there needs to be something reframed in church, it sounds like a criticism. And uh, listeners to this program will know that I'm a champion of the church and not a critic. There's a certain sense, Greg, you can, as soon as you start to say, well, these things need to be reframed, it sounds like a criticism of the church. But in actual fact... Uh, As you say, the very foundation for your child's discipleship starts at home, starts as Mm. being the parent of your child, and the church works in partnership with you. So when we talk about reframing things in your local church, this is what you can do to be a blessing in your community. There needs to be this understanding that it starts with us as parents.
1: Yeah. and parents are still the number one Influencer of the child's development, you see, Neil. Kids' ministry is such a powerful opportunity to form a lasting faith for kids. You know, in, in in the lives of young people, it starts with the family. It then goes to the church, and then it goes to every other Christian. You know, I I, I know at my own church. I was preaching last Sunday, and um, and I you know I, I went for coffee with the rest of the congregation, and they, were, they and we saw the kids. You know, packing up from the youth group and the and the kids club, and it was so good to see them there because they're engaging with adults as well. So we've got to make sure Neil, that when we're engaging. Uh, and witnessing a discipling, let's just not disciple to the adult, let's do it to the kids as well.
0: You know, there's an impression that you might get uh, that some will think that when you've got your children at church, it's a little bit like there's a child-minding service that happens (laughs) while the real service is on, and and, uh, isn't it good that the church provides, uh, you know, some relief from uh, looking after the kids while you're in church? Actually... It's not a child-minding service, but a discipleship opportunity here. And, uh, and for people who are in church thinking uh, kids are being child-minded, perhaps there's a tug at the heartstrings that says, maybe I've got to do something to prepare to become a discipler of children so you can be a yep. blessing to your wider community.
1: Absolutely, Neil. Neil, we need a resilient faith in this challenging world and it's every Christian and go and talk to the young uh, youth youth um, girl or boy. Say, how are you going? How's your faith? Are you being, ch-? you know, whatever it might be, uh, go and engage with them and, and, and make sure that they they appreciate the value of having a ministry that will equip them to, you know, tackle the challenges of this changing world now.
0: Uh, There's some research I know you've drawn some attention to, that people are involved in children's ministry, and perhaps as leaders, uh, they're probably looking at the main church, going, we need lots more help down here in the children's Mm. ministry, and uh, don't seem to be receiving that. You can feel as though you're a bit of a forgotten one uh, when your kids, kids have been sent down. You've got this responsibility, you're carrying a weight on your shoulders, you recognise the impact and the power of that responsibility of discipling the kids and you need some more help. Uh, there's a challenge there because sometimes people who are in that children's ministry role feel like they are forgotten by their church.
1: Correct. Correct, Neil. Absolutely correct. And, and as you said, it's not a child mining centre. It should be an opportunity for everyone at church, every Christian, to see how we can develop the child through discipleship. And it's very important, Neil, that, you know, the parents do take a role in this. The church takes a role in this. The youth groups take a role. But we as all Christians take a role as well. Otherwise, you know, the next generation or the generation after after that will not be the same as we know it now. In other words, Neil will be waking up one day and saying, Hey, I'm not in Kansas anymore, you know. It's just not going to happen unless we do our bit now.
0: Well, Greg, I think uh, listeners today will take that as a gentle nudge. Uh, just uh, a little prompting that says, hey, don't forget about this. It might be time mm. for turning over a new leaf and getting involved in the lives of not only your own children, but the children of other families in church life and yeah. seeing that as a discipleship opportunity. Hey, the dust is settling on the federal election. Uh, you've been doing some uh, webinars and uh, checking in with politicians everywhere. Uh, what's the latest so far as, you know, some of the thoughts that are coming out of, you know, you know the conservative side who lost the election. Uh, any thoughts here on on uh, any update and in, in, you know politically yeah. speaking?
1: Yeah, and I think it's very important that we, as a as a, um, a family, faith, and freedom organisation, Family Voice, it's important that we unpack the election. You know, the conservative conservative government has lost. Why did they do that? So we've been running webinars. Last week we had a very good. Um, uh, uh, in person meeting with Senator Alex Antic, and he gave some wonderful feedback. And one of the points he made was you know, at the, um, we had about so many people at this particular uh, forum in Adelaide, and one of the points he made was that it was sad that one of the reasons why the, the current coalition government lost was because they had tried to be more left leaning than even the ALP or the Greens. In other words, he was saying that the Liberal Party or the Coalition or the Conservative, call it what you like, has to reclaim itself, now if it's going to win the hearts and minds in three years' time.
0: I was talking to a former liberal candidate just recently and uh, about mm-hmm. the sorts of, you know, uh, the the sorts of things that happen after an election, you know the debrief and uh, yep. the breakdown of what went wrong and there was a sentiment that I picked up that and this would have happened on the labor side too last election, the thought that there's been a debrief and someone came up with all sorts of good reasons to change this that and the other and those things tend to get ignored. Uh, so, is there a <laughs> is there a way back to conservatism on the
1: liberal side of politics? What do you think here, Greg? Yeah, I think there is. Look, if if, if the coalition and I'm not a coalition, supporter. we're apolitical now, and I well, sorry, we're non-party political in the sense that we don't, you know, promote or criticise any particular party. We criticise issues. If the coalition, Neil, wants to win the next election, they have to come back to our conservative family values, freedom of speech issues, freedom of association, freedom of religion, and they should not pretend to be the Greens. And these are the words of Senator Antic. But not only that, Neil. You know, one of the things we've got to do is to make sure, uh, and, and in particular Senator Antic said that his mission in politics is to try to recast the balance and to fight wokeism. I love wokeism, as you know, Neil. So what we've got to do is make sure that the next generation of people coming forward have got family values and they are using those family values to further a biblical or conservative uh, worldview at the election ballot box. Now, otherwise, we're going to lose, lose and lose badly.
0: And just a, a quick mention as I love to just raise the profile of important books and uh, to mention Silencing of the Lambs uh, your recently released book that listeners might want to get a hold of uh, all around uh, the wokeism that's going on in Australia right now and just before I let you go and time is running out uh, very yep. quickly but uh, another issue back to sort of you know woke things that are happening around Australia mm. uh, the privacy of students uh, in south australia there's an issue that's developing there around what you're calling like toilet politics what's going on in south australia greg
1: oh Nell, very quickly really the department of education has gone woke in, in in the true sense of the word they don't understand that god made boys and girls and nothing else and what they've done is they've taken away toilet doors so that anybody can go in anybody can see what's going on it's gone absolutely mad so this is wokeism at its best and we are fighting it as family voice to make sure replace the toilet doors. We don't want to see kids, girls or boys, you know, exposed to to unwanted, you know, observance or whatever the case may be. Neil, let's just get back to Boys' toilet and girls' toilet. So we're fighting it very hard at the uh, South Australian education level.
0: There are a lot of battles to be fought and uh, my encouragement to listeners uh, to be supportive of these wonderful organisations that we talk to on 2020 and uh, talking today to Family Voice Australia and uh, no doubt uh, a little extra support coming into Family Voice would always be appreciated too. So uh, Family Voice Dot org dot au. Uh, a quick mention, you've got an upcoming event this uh, on the 20th of June, the Jareth Cock story, uh, cancelled and persecuted for his faith. Uh, you'll be having a webinar featuring Jareth Cock.
1: Yeah, that's next Monday, Monday the 20th of June. It's on our website. Please register. This particular doctor, two years now out of a job because he tweeted something about his faith. And that's sad. So hear his story. We've got uh, a lovely um, legal guy too, John Stanoff. He's a lovely man and he'll be there as well to help us unwrap this tragedy that occurred some years ago.
0: Greg Bondar is Family Voice Australia State Director (coughs) for New South Wales and the ACT. Familyvoice.org.au. Greg, thanks so much for updating us today on 2020.
1: Thank you, Neil, and God bless.